The Be Here Now Network invites you to join Jack Kornfield, Tara Brock, and some of today's leading mindfulness meditation instructors for a two-year mindfulness meditation teacher certification program. Get the training you need to guide others in their journey with a powerful online training course and in-person teaching events. To learn more, visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash GetCertified. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. There were many of us who are following Ramdas and his writings and other people in the 70s and 80s joined ashrams, connected with gurus, became very deep in the practice. And but over time, one after another of these gurus came down in scandal. Came down in scandals. Scandals. Don't you love it? I love it. Of various kinds. Yeah, all kinds. You name it, they've done it. Personal experience. From goats to sheep to whatever else. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, you know, preaching celibacy to everyone and screwing everything that moved and. Even things that didn't move. Saying give up up all your worldly possessions. Absolutely. And And grabbing everything you left behind. Absolutely. Don't you love it? It's fantastic. How, how. It personally took me several decades to get mm. back to a practice. Yeah. How do you reconcile that if you do? How can you reconcile it? You know, there's nothing to reconcile. They're assholes. They've always been assholes and they'll continue to be assholes. There's nothing to reconcile. You know, it's like you got caught in somebody else's uh, show. That's all. We're so naive in America. We think everybody's good. Even when they're miserable shits, we think, oh, they're, you know, it's my problem. They're beautiful. I'm ugly. So we buy into that. We need people to pet us on the head and tell us that we're good little boys and girls. And we're willing to give anything to get a little pet on the head. So you only learn from experience. And you learned. So um, one little pet on the head? Cost you ten bucks. <laughs> Extra. You know, it's just so horrible, it's hard to believe. But what are you going to do? That's human nature. People are doing business. You know, and we only learn from experience. There are no mistakes. But we learn from getting into situations that we finally realize, like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know? This is ridiculous. You can't... That is invaluable. Nobody can give you that experience. 
That comes from within, from you knowing that this is wrong for me. That's as far as you have to go. Maybe other people, they don't mind what's going on. But you have a deeper need for something real. So the only way you got in touch with that was through the grace of the son of a bitch who did all that stuff. So someday you can run to thanking him. Maybe not today. No, it happens all the time. This is the dark ages, sweetheart. This is the dark ages. Everything, the light is buried very deep within us. We barely know we're alive. We barely know what's possible in life. It's so hard to be the person we want to be, a, a good, caring human being. It's so hard to do that on a daily basis. And that's the whole thing. You get the strength to be that way from practice because you overcome your selfishness, your shame, your guilt, your fear, your reactivity, your, your possessiveness and through practice. And that helps you. That allows you to be who you are, which is perfect, which is wonderful, a compassionate, caring human being. You know, that's it. That's the whole ballgame. And, uh, you know, um, <laughs> people used to come to Maharaji a lot, you know, project themselves as this or that, you know. And he would go, ah, good, good, oh, very good. Give him fruit, give him prasad. Okay, now go. You know? And then as soon as they were gone, he would turn and say, people come here and they think they can fool me. I go on fooling the whole world. And they can come here and think they're fooling me, you know. Meaning that he never let anybody see who he was. We couldn't take it. It's like you're looking at the sky and the sun is behind some clouds, so your eyes are wide open. If those clouds disappear, you go blind. You have to look away. It's too bright. And that's what these these great beings are like that. They clothe themselves. They cover themselves. They know how to communicate to us in words that we can understand because we can't understand who they really are and how incredible they really are. So, (laughs) Maharaji was too much, you know, you could never. One time he's sitting out, he used to walk out of the temple and then just sit on the street, you know, on on the road and everybody would come out and stand around him. Sometimes they'd sit around him. And One day he'd gone out and Dada, his great, one of his great old devotees, was standing next to him. And a man goes into the temple, looks around for Maharaji, can't find him, and then is told he's sitting up on the road. So he comes up, walks up the road, and he's carrying a big paper bag. Right? And he sits down in front of Maharaji and he puts the bag in front of Maharaji and pushes it over. And Maharaji said, what's that? He said, Baba, it's money. Oh, what's it for? Baba, you know, it's money. You buy things with it. Acha. It's late. The shops are closed. Take it away. No, 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 Baba. You, You buy things that you need and that you want. He said, I don't need anything. Take it away. The guy tried for a half an hour to get Maharaji to take this huge 
bag full of money. Finally, he took the money and walked away. Maharaji turns to Dada <laughs> and he said, Dada, you must be really disappointed at the loss of so much money. And of course, Dada said, yes, Baba, I am. Because all he was thinking about is how much food he could buy to feed people with it, right? Not for himself. He said, Maharaji said, Dada, you don't understand. He was trying to buy me. You can't just accept things from anybody, only people who offer purely. He was trying to buy him. So, being with somebody who, can, who, who could never be fooled was so incredible. Because they also were never fooled by your own bullshit. You know, one time he was sitting all alone in the middle of the courtyard and I came in. Now, one of my dreams my whole life was to sing to him and cry and, you know, of love and all that, right? So he was sitting there all alone. So I looked around the ground. So I started to sing this prayer to him. And I'm weeping and crying and I finally finish. And he looks down at me and says, Why are you crying? <laughs> and I said, Because so much love. But the minute I said it, I knew I was full of shit. You know? I was crying because it had been my dream to sit there and sing to him and cry. And now I was doing it, so big fucking deal, right? And he knew that, and he just, uh, no impression on him at all. Why are you crying? Oh, man. But on the other hand, the smallest little thing, the smallest little act of generosity, or, or, or caring for another person. He knew everything. He would immediately pet you on the head and give you fruit and say, oh, you were very good. One time, Dada was at home, and Maharaji was somewhere else, and this little black dog ran into the yard, and he was being chased by these people with sticks. They were going to try to kill this dog. So Dada came out of his house, and he yelled at the people, said, get away from here. Don't leave this dog alone. Don't leave this dog alone. Why do you want to kill him? Get out of here. He said, no, he ate our chickens. Just, it's okay, I'm taking care of him. You get away. Go away. And he chased the people away. The dog stayed around for a week and then disappeared. As soon as the dog disappeared, Maharaji arrived, walks into the house, sits down. Dada, you did a great thing. You did a great thing, Dada. He said, what's that, Baba? He said, he said, you prevented them from killing the dog, and the dog didn't even kill their chickens. You did a great thing, Donna. He knew everything. There was no secrets. Believe me, it wasn't easy sitting there, with, you know, knowing that he saw every miserable thought you ever had. You know. But after a while, you kind of... It's kind of like getting into a hot bath. You kind of, it's, at first, it's... Uh, and then you kind of... Okay, you kind of open up to it. And it's so freeing to feel loved just as you are. Because, let's face it, don't get me started. Relationships are business. You know, you give affection and you get affection. You give security, you get security. You give friendship, and you get friendship. It's, it's a wonderful business. 
Once I was very much in love with this woman. I mean, a few years ago when I was still falling in love. And I was telling Mr. Tuari, my Indian father, I was saying, oh, you know, how wonderful. Oh, this. And he's listening, ha, ah. <laughs> On and on I'm going, and he's, ah, ah. And finally I finished talking. He said, my boy. He said, relationships are business. He said, do your business. Enjoy. He said, but love, love is what lasts 24 hours a day. Love is our true nature. It's who we are. It's not something you get from somebody. That's not love. It's affection, sweetness, kindness. All those things, those are all good things. But love is, you don't fall in it and you don't fall out of it. It's not something that comes from the outside. Two people could probably, with enough, having done enough work on themselves and work together, could probably learn to sit in that oneness together. Maybe. I don't know. I can't say that's happened for me, so I don't know if it's possible. But I hear that it might be. But still, love is not between people. Love is 24-7. Love is what we're swimming in, what we're sitting in. Love is like the sky that holds everything in it and is untouched by the smog and the clouds and the plains and the birds. It's presence, always here. And that's what we uncover through practice. And the deeper we sit in that, the less reactive we are, the less fearful we are, the less possessive we are, the less full of shit we are. Tuari was great. This guy was too much. He'd been with Maharaji for 40 years, you know. And he'd been raised by an aunt because his parents died when he was very young. And then his aunt died when he was uh, 10 or 12. And so he had taken a vow to be a yogi, to be celibate. He went to school and became a school teacher, but he was not going to get married. And he told me he was doing so much exercise. He was tying himself up with ropes to keep his energy up because he was like this, you know. And finally, Maharaji made him get married. They went together, the two of them, to this house where uh, the f- mother had died a long time ago, and now the father had died. And the youngest daughter, who was probably about 20, was taking care of the extended family. So Maharaji and Tuari, they come into the house, and they're sitting in the living room, and the daughter comes, this woman comes and brings them water and food and keeps coming back and forth and serving them with this and that. Maharaji goes to Tuari like, hey, she's kind of cute, huh? She keeps going back and forth, and Tuari says, wow, you see the way she serves? She's amazing. I think she's actually Joan of Arc. I think you ought to marry her. You know I've taken a vow not to marry. I won't marry. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Wow, isn't she beautiful? This went on for three days. Three days, 24-7, for three days. Maharaji finding ways to like keep saying, I think you ought to marry this girl. She's really something. 
Isn't she beautiful? Like this. So finally, Tuari explodes. He said, okay, you want me to marry her? I'll marry her under one condition, that you write in golden letters on the marriage certificate, I, Neem Karoli Baba, take full responsibility for all issue from this marriage. Well, my heart said, I won't do that. Good, then I won't marry her. But it kept going on. So finally, Tori broke down and agreed to get married. On his wedding day, the bride and her family were up at the top of this mountain where the school was that Tawari was a teacher at. And all of a sudden, Maharaji shows up, and he comes about halfway up the hill. And Tawari runs down. He leaves the wedding party, and he runs down, and he just sits with Maharaji. And they're sitting there, just hanging out. Finally, somebody comes down from the wedding party and said, Baba, you know, this guy's supposed to get married today. You know, don't you think, you know, all right, go ahead, go, get married. So Tuari went back up the hill and got married. So one day he said to me, he said, we were talking about samadhi and meditation. He said, you know, my boy, he said, I didn't reach samadhi the first time until after I was married. And he gave me this wicked smile, you know. (laughs) He was something. He used to look at me, he would explain things to me. He knew everything. I mean, he was... He was my best friend because he knew the bottom line about everything. All the spiritual stuff, he, he, he had completely ingested and digested it. So any question I had, anything I was stuck in, he would help me out. So he explained things to me, but in the first words out of my mouth, he'd see I didn't understand a damn thing he said. So he'd look at me and go, my boy, is there something wrong with your brain? Oh, man. These people are so beautiful, so rare, so beautiful. They really saved my life. Because after Maharaji died, I was, as far as I was concerned, life was over. I was totally attached to his physical presence, his body, you know. And when that wasn't there, it was the only thing that ever made me happy. Really happy. The only thing, the only place I ever felt that kind of unconditional love. You know, so when it wasn't there, where was I going to find it? Nowhere. It never occurred to me that it might be in there. And it didn't occur to me for about a long time. And that's why I started chanting, you know, about. uh, He died in 73, in 94. I'm standing in my room in New York, and I was struck by a lightning bolt. Literally, I was standing in the living room, and I I knew that if I didn't sing with people, and it was very much with people, that I would never be able to clean out the dark shadows and corners of my own heart. I just had no other way to do it. There was no other option. This was it. This was the only rope that was going to be thrown to this particular drowning guy. And if I didn't do it, it wasn't going to happen. It took me a while to get around to it, but I started. So, this practice works under the radar. You can think about it all day long, 
You can try to analyze what's happening. You can try to think, am I doing better now? Am I doing worse? Is it working? Is it not working? Should I do this? Should I do that? What mantra should I do? Should I do another? doesn't matter what you think. If, as long as you keep doing the practice, it's going to be working underneath all the bullshit you tell yourself 24-7. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it. But you don't have to do it for hours every day. I swear to you, if you do five good minutes a day, and I mean five minutes where you turn the phone off, really five minutes where you just sit there stewing in your own shit for five minutes, things will change. There's no doubt about it. I guarantee you things will change. Don't even try to do a mantra. Don't even try to concentrate. Just sit with yourself. Put a timer on. Five minutes. You'll see. Things change. Little by little. Gradually, but inevitably. It's inevitable because we've been shot out of a cannon and now we're finally coming back to Earth. It's inevitable. Gravity's going to do it. Nothing you have to do. I mean, if you stop flapping your wings in the other direction, it might help. But gravity's going to do it anyway. So just sit there. And gradually you might feel like watching your breath or repeating a mantra. But you've got to be a little vigilant that you don't get too busy trying to make something happen. Okay? Because it already happened. We're here. Hey, hello, we're here. That's the, that's the miracle. We're actually here right now. This is where we are. And it's our thoughts, our emotions, our stuff that keeps pulling us out of here temporarily. But this is where we are, and we're always here. Tomorrow you ask yourself, where am I? The answer is going to be here. Ten years from now you ask yourself, where am I? The answer will be here. That here-ness deepens over time. And it and it has qualities that are not apparent to us right now. And those qualities arise from within gradually, and they, it deepens. But, got to do something.